0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts, stocks tracking, interactive charts, and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very good morning, everybody. This is Box in your headlines this hour. The best data in nearly a decade. China's Xin manufacturing activity expands at its fastest rate since 2011 as new export orders rise for the first time this year. Asian stocks make a mixed start to September after the August rally raises concerns of a pullback amid heightened volatility around the US election race. CNBC learns that ByteDance has chosen its preferred US bidder for TikTok after shares in frontrunners Microsoft, Walmart and Oracle fall on reports that Beijing may need to approve any deal. And Zoom shares saw 25% in extended trade after revenues jump over 350% on surging demand for video calling software. very good morning everybody let's start with the chinese manufacturing data then activity has expanded at its fastest rate in almost a decade thanks to a rebound in new export orders china's uh, chaixin manufacturing pmi survey came in at 53.1 in august that's the fourth consecutive positive month and the fastest rate of expansion since january 2011. Uh, we already saw uh, markets uh, in the final trading day of August, uh, looking perky in Asia, but the uh, confirmation of a relatively strong rebound on the manufacturing side, uh, helping push those markets uh, into the green this hour. Let's bring Sam into the conversation. But Sam, there is a, a, a curious question that I have for you as you analyze this data here. There does seem to be a slight mismatch between the official data and the private sector survey.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right, Jeff. Good morning to you. I mean, this survey does look at the private, smaller and medium-sized enterprises in China. So I think, you know, firstly, that that's stronger than expected that number for the month of August really does add to these signs that China has largely managed to bounce back from the impacts of the coronavirus. As you pointed out, the survey did show that factory activity was given a boost by those export numbers, which actually grew for the first time this year, as we have seen global Demand certainly picking up as we've seen this reopening of other economies around the world. And that is actually said to have prompted manufacturers to really uh, step up production to really meet this demand, helping that uh, sharpest gain in almost a decade. But yes, you're right, that it does it does conflict with those official numbers that we did see uh, yesterday which actually showed that factory activity uh, did grow for the month of August albeit at a slower pace uh, thanks to you know severe flooding that we've seen uh, across China throughout the summer which really took a hit to production and that you know may mean that these smaller firms are perhaps doing better than the larger ones at the moment but you know still uh, both these numbers did show an expansion above that 50 mark and it does show that you know things generally broadly speaking are picking up that survey did also show that jobs saw a slight improvement and with companies actually ramping up the recruitment to meet some of these production needs and this global demand um, really hinting that employment may be sort of close to a turning point now uh, in China we know that of course employment has been a big focus particularly for the government and uh, actually an economist uh, quoted in this Taishin survey said that an expansion of jobs really does rely on sort of longer term improvement in the economy now and macroeconomic policy support. Of course we know that consumption really still has been lagging. Uh, This recovery is, you know, there are these lingering worries about pay and jobs, forcing many people to tighten their belts. And I think uh, what is interesting is this comes just a day after the PBOC uh, actually said that uh, it was going to improve the banking uh, interest uh, rate system uh, to actually help manage monetary policy uh, moving forward. And I think that is significant because uh, it is a positive sign of policy communication by the PBOC and certainly at this time when we are seeing this uneven recovery in China. Jeff back to you. Terrific
0: Sam thank you very much indeed for that and those who watch the program regularly may remember that back at the beginning of uh, August I think it was late July I was talking about Mrs Cutmore online looking for a new vacuum cleaner and for those who are relatively new to investing these are the kind of things that you just have to put your ear to the ground and listen to. And as we looked for that new vacuum cleaner, my wife and I, we were finding it difficult to get delivery on a vacuum cleaner that we wanted to purchase. And of course, that told you that inventory levels were very low. And that implies the new orders that you're starting to see come through in the China manufacturing story. So when you get these little hints, it's worth just stopping, asking yourself, why is this happening to me? Has it got something to do with the fact that we've got low stocks in some parts of the world? Or maybe there is a a sector of the economy that is uh, doing relatively well, or perhaps one that's doing relatively poorly. We'll get to those in just a second. In terms of the market action, it was a bit of a softer session, wasn't it, on the last trading day of August. And as we come into September, just a few things to highlight. The Dow had its best August since 1984. The S&P, its best since 1986. We were up 7% for the month of August here. And the Nasdaq having its best month, I think, since uh, 2000. Um, Tech up ultimately then 53.6% so far since March. What a phenomenal return you've had if you had your money in the right place on the technology story. Um, Let's just break it down sector-wise because I think it's interesting to have a look at the sector performance. The uh, important story here is the uh, Dow Transports, I think. But maybe I'm just old-fashioned and I've been around a little bit too long. But there is the old theory about the strength of the economy being reflected in the transports because it is the railway lines and it is the trucks and it is uh, the freight carriers and forwarders who are representative of what is happening on the broader economy here. And I just flag this up to you because even as you uh, look at the chart, it doesn't tell you actually how resilient the recent sessions have been and uh, Dow Jones Transport, Transport's had its best month in August since October 2011. Maybe there's a message in there, maybe it's just worth listening for a moment. ...to what the Dow Jones Transports are saying at this stage. Um, Other sectors that we know have been mixing it in recent action... ...of course, technology and healthcare. And while we continue to ask when will a vaccine be available... ...the focus will be very much on healthcare... ...and who will win the race in terms of selling the most vaccines... ...when ultimately uh, we do have the right technology... Growth stocks continue to be very much a focus for the markets here. And energy just falling back into that uh, characteristic last place that we've seen uh, in recent months here. So the energy sector was, in fact, the worst performer as we wrapped up the month of August. We're going to talk some more about energy in just a few minutes with Siemens Energy, a very exciting story there. But... um, let me just tease you with that rather than tell you about it now, because I want to stay with the market. Speaking to CNBC, the Carlyle Group co-founder David Rubenstein expressed his anxiety about recent market performance. I'm still a little nervous. Uh, obviously, the Fed's uh, action or the statement recently last week made it clear that the Fed is going to be very accommodative for a while and that might be fueling the markets for a while. And right now, I think the, neither party is saying things that's scaring the market. Neither the Democratic Party or the Republican Party is saying things that is going to scare the market. So I think the market has somewhere more to go. But on the other hand, I don't think it can keep going up forever at this pace. I think there will be a pause at some point. David Rubenstein. Meanwhile, billionaire investor Leon Cooperman said President Trump should thank the Federal Reserve and Jerome Powell for supporting the rally. Mr. Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, basically that the president, I might add, wanted to fire on more than one occasion has given investors a long-term put by promising to keep rates near zero for an extended period of time. This has led to a dramatic expansion of market valuations, and frankly, the president uh, should kiss the chairman on all four cheeks in my opinion uh well let's bring in paul gambles then co-founder and managing partner of mbmg group paul what a remarkable august we've seen here but of course we understand the nervousness now that we see from uh, mr cooperman and others because historically of course um, september's have a very poor track record how do you think we're going to enter the month
2: Yeah. and i think also you know we've got to look at um just where the markets have have got to i i, I liked your rundown of uh, the different sectors there because I, I think we do have to look for you know all the different clues that the the data are trying to tell us um you know, one thing that I think is getting a little bit lost in all the excitement about how, how it August was, uh, and you have to remember, you know, August is, is always um, a pretty thin month for, for volume. But, you know, one, one thing we have to just bear in mind is that um, the Dow is still, you know, marginally down around about break even year to date. Uh, and, and it's only just slightly up from where it was at the beginning of June as well. So it, it's not like uh, there's a really clear... In, um, still in, you know, what what people are starting to call the S and P five, basically the the you know fangs or expanded fangs, um, and and you know it, it's it's really you know Tesla at uh, 1,300 times P/E that's giving the market leadership at the moment. So that's not really a healthy a healthy base. That's a very fragile market, and you know you add that to, um, you know, the the usual sort of seasonal September worries. That's a pretty scary combination.
0: We have to put it in context, though, don't we, Paul? I mean, we had what felt at the time, at the end of March, almost like a near death moment short term for the global economy. So the fact that we actually have the Dow almost uh, flat for the year is perhaps uh, quite remarkable. that the, the issue ultimately, though, is is this going to be recovery or is this just a rebound? And let's just dive into the weeds on the data for a moment here, because there are some extraordinary numbers when you look around. Um, things like the, the building permits data in the United States, we were up 18% month on month. Some of those numbers suggest that the foundations are being planted for a more meaningful new cycle would you agree with that
2: possibly no, I, to be honest, I wouldn't. Um, I'd be a lot more sceptical. I, I think one big problem is that you know we, we we don't really understand how to interpret a lot of the data in the in the current context. You know, we we got used to looking at month on month numbers, and in in a stable environment, that's okay. But in a situation where we had the kind of of you know huge economic full-stop hard start stop that we did then actually sort of looking at month-on-month month, even the, the China growth numbers that everybody's talking about You know, we, we have to be careful to try and you know um, Find a way to calibrate those and housing in the states to us is really un- unconvincing everybody got excited you know last week about the uh, the the new house sales, everybody's getting excited about the permits. But actually, when you look at it, we're, we're still an awful long way behind where, you know, we'd expect to be at this point of the year. We've had six really horrible months and, and one pretty good one. Um, and how much of that one good one is just, you know, picking up the backfill from all the deals that couldn't come in May and June? Um, it's, you know, suggesting to housing is still really really soft unless we see positive affirmation over a much longer period of time so I think from that you know it seems to me I don't understand the data but I admit that a lot of people are thinking they understand the data understand the calibration on it when I don't think they do and that's why we think that a lot of markets are actually
3: getting
2: the because they're reading headlines in a way that they've always read them and they're not applying them in the context of what's happened in 2020.
0: Look, it's, it's clear that the data is choppy, and I think there are a lot of concerns being expressed by people like Leon Cooperman that the market has gone euphoric and we're going to have choppy markets as well. So what advice are you giving to your clients at MBMG about how they place their bets coming into the month? Uh,
2: look, it's It's been... <sighs> It's actually been quite a quite a good year and that you know all you had to do was get the big calls right. So January had to be, you know, long on treasuries. Uh, in uh, in March, on the sell-off, you moved into gold and into uh, into equities. Um, and uh, the the difficulty on the everything rally that we had was that everything then started to look expensive. And so we were actually building up pretty big cash positions, taking a bit of a bit of everything off the table because everything was looking expensive. What what happened in the last few weeks actually has been really helpful for us, and that we've been able to rebuild treasury positions because long treasuries certainly have sold off. And again, we think on the basis that people didn't understand the Fed message. I'm not saying we understood it, but I don't think anybody else understood it. And they sold long treasuries. So for the last couple of weeks, there's been a real chance to build up those long treasury positions again to to a decent size. Uh, But I think, you know, skepticism, hold cash and you know do what we always do which is scenario plan look what can happen how far how far can the markets fall what can happen to tech how far can tesla fall you know you've got to look at at all these things and have a plan ready for for when they do and right now with everything being relatively expensive that plan is telling us to to be overweight cash more than anything
0: Paul, that you haven't mentioned gold. Um, just update us. What's, what's the current view? I mean, if you look at the miners, the gold miners are kind of treading water, trading sideways.
2: Yeah, so we... Um we built up, we had a gold position coming into the year. Um, we built that up to uh, around about 20% of, of portfolios and in, in a lot of the advisory portfolios across different risk levels, around 20%. Uh, but we we took a lot of that off the table when uh, when gold uh, got up to uh, 2050. Uh, that was again just looking expensive. We were hoping to buy back much cheaper. So far we've only been able to, to, to really nibble. We haven't seen the sort of prices where we think gold is compelling. So it's it's between 5 to 10% of portfolios now as as a hedge and it's primarily in gold because the the miners again just seem to get too far ahead of themselves so we uh, we came out of the position in miners probably a bit early but we came out of that because they were looking expensive relative to bullion itself so right now bullion looks better than miners it looks a reasonable bet in a very expensive market
0: Terrific, Paul. Good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Paul Thanks. Gambles uh, coming to us from Bangkok, uh, co founder and managing partner of MBMG Group. Still to come on the program, it's a match. TikTok could announce the preferred suitor for its US assets as soon as today. We're going to take you to China for the latest on that story. Facebook has threatened to block publishers and users in Australia from posting the news. Uh, The move would be enacted should the government adopt a new law altering the platform's revenue-sharing relationship with media outlets. The Australian government said in July it would begin requiring tech giants like Facebook and Google to pay news companies a larger percentage of digital advertising income. CNBC has learned the uh, TikTok Uh, company has chosen a preferred bidder for its U.S. assets and could announce the deal as soon as today. However, any agreement may require backing from Beijing after it tightened its technology export laws late last week. Let's uh, find out a bit more about the story with Arjun, who joins us from Guangzhou. So terrific work on the story, Arjun. What more can you tell us about the preferred bidder?
4: Well, it appears uh, that Microsoft and the team of Microsoft and Walmart are the front runners along with Oracle on the other side of the ring there. And of course, uh, you know, you mentioned there about those export restrictions. That really is the black cloud hanging over this, even though the deal could be announced today. There may be a lot more legwork to come. And just to to recap on that, China tightened the uh, restrictions on exports of certain technologies to include a technology that sounds a lot like what TikTok does with its personalization algorithm, that could be subject to uh, some of the the restrictions on exports and could require a license to be exports, according to some of the state media reports over the weekend. So that really is the wild card in all of this. And the question is, sort of how far does Beijing go in interfering with this deal? I don't think they're going to go down that route where they're going to look to absolutely scupper the deal. I think if they do that, you know, there is a deadline on this deal. That is September 20th. And if the the deal wasn't done by then, then TikTok could face a ban in the US. Ultimately, that would, uh, you know, hit the valuation of TikTok quite hard and hurt ByteDance, the parent company itself. And that's something perhaps China wouldn't do to one of its big tech champions that's trying to, to expand abroad right now. So, but it could uh, mean that China may look to delay the deal. It could mean that perhaps China just wants to seat at the table, wants a say in whatever the final deal looks like as well. I think going forward, you know, we're looking at the two contenders here, the Microsoft uh, and Walmart duo uh, and Oracle as well. It was the latter, really, that raised eyebrows when it jumped into uh, the ring for this bit as well, given the fact that it doesn't really have a history in terms of the consumer space, really is an infrastructure play. But in terms of perhaps the best fit, you're looking there at Microsoft and Walmart. You know, Microsoft has been dipping its toes into the consumer space over the past few years. Walmart is trying to um, become a lot more of a digitized company. And, and last week, the interim CEO, Vanessa Pappas, spoke to our colleague, Stateside, talking about how she sees synergies between TikTok and Walmart when it comes to that online e-commerce space. So clearly it's a it's a two-horse race right now and that race is moving very very quickly. ...towards the finish line. Jeff, back to you.
0: Terrific. Arjun, thank you so much for that. We'll see you uh, in the next hour. A bit of news coming out of Seoul. Let's just update you on this. It uh, refers to the Samsung Group leader, JY Lee. Authorities there have indicted uh, the Samsung Group leader on charges of manipulating stock prices... And breach of trust in order to cement control of the group. This, according to a prosecution official a few minutes ago. Uh, considering the gravity of manipulating the capital market, prosecutors decided to indict, despite an independent panel's previous recommendation, that uh, they not indict the official. So keep your eye. On that story, if it's relevant to your portfolio or any positions you may be thinking about entering at this stage, uh, JY Lee has been indicted in South Korea. Uh, Let's move on and let's pick up on uh, Zoom. Shares in Zoom surged over 20% in extended trading after the video conferencing app comfortably beat second quarter earnings and revenue forecasts. Uh, Deirdre Bosa has the report.
3: Work from home, darling Zoom video, blowing expectations out of the water this quarter, beating on every single metric. Its biggest customers doubled year over year. Customers overall, they grew more than 450%. Second quarter revenue was up 355% year over year. Earnings per share was double what the street was expecting. Now, just a few months ago, we were sitting here and talking about privacy and security concerns and how much larger, better capitalized rivals like Microsoft, Facebook and Google were nipping on Zoom's heels with copycat products or features. Turns out that Zoom is pretty untouchable. A JP Morgan report at the end of July says that Zoom now has captured about half of the market for video conferencing just a year after its IPO. Question is now, of course, as valuations continue to climb, you have to wonder what is next and how long can it sustain this momentum? Once growth comes back down to earth, comps are going to be difficult and its competitors haven't slowed down even if they are just chipping away. Meanwhile, Zoom though is looking to expand its offerings. New initiatives include its Zoom phone cloud telephone service, hardware as a service where it partners with hardware makers to streamline its platform and its own $600 hardware device. Deirdre Boza, CNBC Business News.